Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hey, we're back. We are back. I'm super excited. It, we had the long weekend. I don't know if you did anything cool on the long weekend, but we did have a long weekend up here in Canada. That's so true. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder How why did this you forget? <laughs> well, I don't know. I wonder why the weekend seems so long and the week seems so short. Uh, I don't know. It was just weird. I, I can't even think. Literally a holiday weekend. <laughs> I know. But it's like the it's the August long weekend. It does it really count? Like it's not even like a real celebratory day, is it? It's just an extra day off in well, the summer. Well, it's a specific holiday. You're, you're supposed to like celebrate your town. That's the point. Oh, is it? <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, why it's called the Civic Holiday. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, Peterborough's all right. I mean, I think they, <laughs> I think they take it over. Like they, uh, they actually, I've lived here for like ten years, and it was always the Civic Holiday. But then I think recently they changed. They call it Happy Civic Holiday Peter. It's like Peter Robinson Day. So it's some dude. Some famous dude from Peter. I'm sorry. Maybe the... he's the dude that founded your town. <laughs> I mean, he could have done some cool stuff. Uh, I'll Google it later and then I'll feel bad about how little I know. <laughs> How's that sound? But the point is we had a long weekend. We so... did. I didn't really play many video games, though. Uh, it was it was kind of a busy, a busy weekend. I, I'm if I remember correctly, I believe I had my parents over. And then Monday, it's all a blur. I don't know. It was a busy week. Yeah. Did you have a fun <laughs> weekend? Get... I did. I did. Um, so Matt was down at Gen Con mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, maybe, I think. <laughs> the race car one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he had a really good time, did a lot of uh, D&D playing and uh, looking at new board games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't go. I stayed up here and had some some friends over for the weekend and we played some board games and stuff. We did the bonfire thing. It was it was really nice. It was good. Do you have a fire permit? No. Oh, Jocelyn. I'm calling the city. <laughs> Why? You, you, you talk of celebrating your town, and then you don't get a <laughs> fire permit? You don't need one. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, technically on... We're on the opposite side of the street, so technically, like, we're still the town, but we're, like, the rural version so you as long as you burn after 7 p.m you don't actually need a permit (laughs) we can't come for your bonfires it's just it would it would be a problem if the town came for your bonfires right you'll never take our bonfires we are on the rural side of town i grew up in the country i'm allowed to make fun anyways a hundred percent so yeah we had a we had a good weekend but yeah i didn't get as much um actual game time in Mm -hmm. over the weekend because obviously uh friends were here but uh this tuesday was the launch of saviors of oldham which was the new hearthstone expansion and i think i streamed for 11 hours on tuesday and saviors of oldham is really really fun (laughs) yeah so what's the keyword that's that's the question i have is there a keyword this time there is it's reborn so reborn minions uh basically I guess the best way for me to explain it is like reborn minions have a death rattle return this minion to life with one health. So it's like you kill the minion and then it comes back to life again, but it only has one health. Hmm. Does it have the same attack as it had before? Yep. Yep. And uh, like whatever other things it had along. So some of them have death rattle. Some of them have rush. Um, Rush is the ability to attack the turn that you play it, but it can't attack the other hero's face. It can only attack other minions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some of them have keywords like that. Some of them just say reborn, um, but there's some taunts and stuff like that too. So that's that's the the new keyword of this expansion. But they added a whole bunch of cards that... This is the first time it really feels like they're not really trying to push one archetype necessarily uh they added the four explorers from league of explorers so uh sir finley and reno and elise and bran they added them back into the game in another iteration and they are all all you can only like their condition is you can only have one type of or one of each card in your deck so they're reno decks highlander decks one-off decks whatever you want to call them and they so that's kind of a mechanic that they're air quotes pushing, but at the same time, 
those singleton decks are really fun to play because they have so much room to like play around and, and tech things in and out because you have to have 30 unique cards. So uh, there's a there's a lot of fun to be had in this expansion. It really feels like there's a lot to play around with that feels powerful and competitive without being overpowered. Mm-hmm. Like there doesn't feel like there's any one thing right now and more so than other expansions because I know a lot of people are going to say that, but... Um, it just fe- seems like there's a lot of fun to be had in, in Hearthstone in this expansion. They're really changing a lot of their design philosophies. It's really neat. Yeah. So, and this is, I think I saw the trailer. Uh, this is another uh, League of Explorers type adventure theme. Yeah. So it's the, it's basically the League of Explorers against the League of Evil. And the uh, League of Evil is what um, was the focus of the Rise of Shadows. So that's the other thing they're doing this year is they're doing kind of an overarching story over the three expansions for 2019. Mm-hmm. So the first expansion was uh, Archvillain Reform, who was the like the bad guy in the League of Explorers expansion from years ago. Or, or sorry, I guess it was an adventure, not an expansion. Uh, so he put together the League of Evil that involved a lot of the like villains from other Hearthstone expansions whose butts we kicked. Right. And so they all come together because they're like, okay, we tried alone and we failed. So let's make the League of Evil and be bad. And, you know, they'll never be able to defeat all five of us sort of thing. So even though there's four of four of the League of Explorers. Yeah, exactly. And so that was a um, I guess Hagatha's in it. Dr. Boom is in it. Uh, Madame Lazul or whatever, who's really one that we had never heard of, and she's not really a thing, but she's part of the League of Evil. She is now, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> Don't cut out Lady Lasagna yeah. or whatever you called her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Lady Lasagna. So, uh, yeah, that was like the League of Evil. And so now the League of Evil has gone to Oldham. I, I don't know how familiar you are with Warcraft, but... Oldham is a zone that became available in Cataclysm, mm-hmm. and it basically has one of the Forges of Origination in it, which can be used to essentially reorder the entire planet back to its primordial state. It's a Titan device. So basically, the League of Evil is trying to unleash the Forge of Origination and the um, like, just plagues of bad across the whole entire world of Azeroth. Right. So. Wow. The League of Explorers is trying to stop them. So that's the the savior. They are the saviors of Oldham. They're going to try to drive back the um, League of Evil in a piece of single player content that we're getting soon. Right. So what they did with the previous expansion, Rise of Shadows, is they released the single player a few weeks afterwards. So that you can kind of like let the expansion have some breathing room and not kind of dump all the content all at once, which has led to Hearthstone feeling pretty well paced now before it very much felt like a new expansion would launch and there was a ton to do and it would kind of fall off after a few weeks. And then we were waiting another like three months to get another expansion. So with like spacing out the, the single player, like in rise of shadows, it was kind of like Rise of Shadows expansion and then single player launched and then they had some nerfs and then they had some buffs and a new card. And then, you know, by the time all of that stuff, oh, and changes to Arena because Arena, the cards that are available in Arena cycle through now. So it's not always just every card in the game is available in Arena. So it's really had a good cadence i guess to releases sure and it's kept everything really interesting like the meta has been changing like the addition of buffs and new cards that's something they've never done before so assuming that saviors of Aldom is going to continue on the same pattern as rise of shadows it just keeps everybody engaged a lot more so we've got a few weeks but we will be getting uh single player pve content that will tell more of the story of how excuse me, Reno and uh, the rest of the League of Explorers actually stop Rafam and his League of Evil from unleashing terror on Azeroth. Right. And uh, in the single player stuff, that is that is paid DLC, right? The... Yeah, they are back to paid. Okay. So uh, I believe I it's... the last one was paid? I think it's like $20, yeah. And the last one was... You can buy it with in-game gold, too. So if you are mm-hmm. doing your daily quests and stuff, you can go in there and buy each wing for gold. But um, yeah, the last one, I think I think it was 20. It was either 20 or 25. I can't remember. Oh, no, I think it was 20 because I think it's $5 per wing, but the first wing is free. Hmm. So 
but it was it was actually really worth it. I quite enjoyed the the previous PVE experience. Yeah, you know, I really liked the first few expansions with the PVE experience, and I I don't know what it was, but I think it might have been like Disco Medieval one that was the last one Karazan. I sort of played. One one night in Karazan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was also like the first one where they started doing the like the weird music videos and and yep. they, they stuck. With I that. feel like uh, I feel like that. Karazhan might have been the last adventure that they ever did. Oh, yeah. Was then, Frozen Throne after that, but it was free? Frozen Throne was after that, but it was, yeah, it was free. So they did a few expansions that were, uh, that had PvE content that was free, that was very much like the old adventures. And then mm-hmm. with Kobolds and Catacombs, they introduced the idea of Dungeon Run. Mm-hmm. And so the PvE content that they put out with Rise of Shadows was similar to Dungeon Run, but it was much more compelling, much more interesting. So there were like there were actual goals to work towards. Mm-hmm. So it was like you have to do something a certain amount of times to unlock a new hero power. And then you got to play like mage with a frost hero power instead of a fire hero power. And it just made everything more interesting. I played the heck out of the um, Rise of Shadows PvE. I thought it was great. It was so much fun. I had... Almost as much fun in that as I did when they released the PVE with Boomsday that was called Puzzle Mode. Puzzle Mode, I loved. I still think that's the best thing they've ever done. But it's very, very hard to constantly come up with new puzzles within the world of Hearthstone. So mm. not holding my breath for more Puzzle Mode. But I do think that that was the best thing they've, they've ever done in PVE. Yeah, well, it's nice that they're trying new things. And since they've gone paid, do, do we know if the single player sort of is new content like if it's uh it's so it's an adventure right so it's a new style or the similar adventure style uh it's going to be simple similar to rise of shadows okay that's basically all we know about it and so the rise of shadows was like i said it was like dungeon run so you had eight or in the final wings case you had 12 bosses that you had to defeat and it's the thing where you go you get a small deck of i believe like 15 cards and you go up against a boss with 10 health and then you beat them and then you get to choose three more cards to add to your deck. So you're slowly building the size of your deck and uh, over time to then try to take down the eight bosses in a single run. So you basically have to and like bosses are getting harder and harder and they get more and more cards, more and more health, all that kind of stuff. So it's a really, really fun mode. I, I enjoy it quite a lot and they made a lot of updates to it that I think made it worth the cost in Rise of Shadows because they also give you, so the PVE experience is like I say, $20. And I believe the um, overall you get 16-ish card packs, maybe more. So basically like you get card packs for playing from from the most recent expansion. So like, it's like you're paying for card packs but then also getting a pve experience now you do have to defeat the wing in order to get the uh to get the card packs it's not just like here's some card hey, packs. Here, here's the pve and and here's your stack of card packs yeah you do actually have to play through the content to unlock the card packs but they are included so as long as you play the content then you'll get the packs for your collection so Wait, what's a pack of cards gonna cost you these days in hearthstone is two that, bucks is two bucks a card pack yep okay so Unless you, you buy, like, I mean, it, that's if you yeah, buy, you buy best value. Like, yeah, yeah. Like a sucker. I mean, <laughs> best value. Uh, I'm not making fun of Hearthstone. I'm making fun of pretty much any game that uses those words. Yeah, any game. Because exactly. There's always a, a best or most popular flag on bundles. <laughs> and you're course. just like, well, if everyone else is buying the $100 bundle, of <laughs> course I should buy the $100 yeah. bundle. It's the best value. It's Blizzard's. Except that I'm, yeah, except <laughs> best that I'm spending value. four times as much as I wanted to. But it's the best value. <laughs> you know what? You might as well just uh, pre-purchase. You know you're going to buy a 100 par- card packs eventually. Just buy them yeah. now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could go down that rabbit hole. But um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So I think a point you made earlier was that they've they've really started to nail the the release schedules the drip feed of content i think that's that's something that a free-to-play game needs to needs to hit and get into a proper pace almost right away in order for it to be successful and i mean if you is is it are you saying hearthstone's like kind of in that sweet spot now or do you think this is them just rolling with it and they were they were in sweet spots earlier and they just kind of 
fell off the track and now they're back at it like where does hearthstone stand obviously this is something that has been talked about over the years but hearthstone's been around for what six seven years it's and still uh, strong we've we've been doing the show since 2013 and that was when it was in beta still so sure. um i believe the beta actually is about six years old now because i think we posted our first episodes in October and I feel like we had been in the beta for about a month by the time we um, made our first episode of Angry Chicken. So, right. yeah. So we're, we're coming up on six years since the, since the launch of, of, I guess, open-ish beta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hearthstone never, until it was like right ready to launch, didn't have an open beta. There, there were keys that were being given out to get into the Hearthstone beta. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like there were keys all over the place, so it wasn't necessarily like super, super exclusive, but still it wasn't fully open. So, but yeah, it's been about six years and I feel like they're, it's it's kind of funny because it has been six years and it feels like they're finally hitting their stride when it comes to the pace of content releases and it's funny that it took this long. Like, it really, really is. It kind of shows, I think, how great a game Hearthstone is and how much fun it can be and how dedicated the community is because there were some really big content droughts, especially when we had, like, expansions releasing in kind of, like, no- or adventures in November and then no expansion till April. Like, that was, you know, adventures always had only, like, 40 cards in them and expansions are 130-something, so... Yeah. To have to end a year on an adventure and then start the next year, you know, five or six months later on an expansion. It was like all we've had for six or eight months between expansions was one 40 card adventure. And those sometimes like those content lulls were real. Yeah. Um, that would, so now feel it's that. like, yeah, definitely. And now we're getting 130 cards every or three times a year. And we're getting like single player PVE content with every one of those expansions and, you know, like they're buffing cards, which is something that they'd never done in the past. So it's they're hitting a really good pace and they're showing that they're not as stringent with the rules, I guess, as they used to be. You know, I mean, for the longest time we heard from the developers like, no, we will never buff cards because it's so much easier to mess it up if you're making things like if you're buffing things because you could make them too strong and then you have to buff and nerf and buff and nerf until you get it right again. So they had originally said, all we're going to do is nerf really strong cards. There should be bad cards in the game, blah, 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 blah. And now they're kind of, I I think it has to do with the changing of the guard kind of thing. Like we had a lot of, um, a lot of people in very high up positions on team five actually leave. Mm -hmm. So I think that opened up the, the space for, for new ideas and new ways of going about things. And it it is, it it feels a little bit like Hearthstone 2.0. It feels a little bit like they're reevaluating what they do in the game and how they do it. And it's in a really, really good, fun, exciting space now. And it feels like you can actually experiment with stuff and you're not full on punished all the time. Like there's a lot of different viable cards and viable decks and, and a lot of fun to be had in, in ladder and arena and uh, PVE. So Hearthstone's in an awesome place right now. If you guys haven't checked it out in a while. It's a really great time to get in. And uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend Hearthstone, which should probably shock no one. <laughs> Well, it it wouldn't so expansions every three times a year, so it wouldn't be quarterly. It'd be what like uh, uh, triannually. I don't know. Tri- I, don't know I was gonna say it, second yeah. period update. Uh, yeah, <laughs> coach's corner yeah, so here. I don't know. There's one in uh, April, one in summer, so uh, like late July, early August, and then one near the end of the year, usually <laughs> November, December. Well, I look forward to your third period update. Uh, yeah. I guess that wouldn't be a third period update. It'd be the end of the game. Who won? Toronto Maple Leafs? Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so what about you, Ryan? What have you been up to this week? So last week we ran out of time because uh, we played too many video games. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to really deep dive on Fire Emblem Three Houses. We talked a little bit about it, but it is such a large game that it warrants uh, discussing further. And I got to say, this game is really really taken over my free time 
uh, because I've already I've put like twenty so hours in, which is pretty, which is pretty. That's pretty good for you. Yeah, like it's been out for a couple weeks, so essentially any moment I have, I'm I'm playing this game, and I even went as far to purchase um, this adapter. So I have I have Apple AirPods, the wireless uh, sort of Bluetooth you know, earbuds. And then I bought like a little dongle because the switch doesn't support like wireless headphones. So there's a little dongle you can buy to kind of like convert like the uh, headphone jack into a wireless receiver for, and it doesn't just work with AirPods. It works with, uh, with all, uh, wireless Bluetooth headphones. And I've just been playing a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses on switch, uh, in handheld mode while Ashley catches up on Big Brother because I cannot stand that show. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad. The show. Uh, it's like uh, it's like junk food, I guess. It's 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 not bad, but it's it's so bad you like to watch it. I mean, everyone has one of those shows, right? Oh, hundred percent. I've been watching Ink Masters, which is amazing. <laughs> is it? Do they have episodes like American Idol where, like, instead of bad singing, it's just like this is a really bad tattoo? A hundred percent. And then you're like, whoa, that's on somebody's body forever. <laughs> I hope they never watch this show and see their appearance as somebody getting tattooed because, yeah, they get ripped apart. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Well, in Big Brother, they get ripped apart, too. And it's just they they, like I always comment. I say like these people, they're just they're the most annoying people you could ever shove into a house and lock the door and throw away the key. And (laughs) and then I realized Ashley just ignored me. And I realized, wait a minute, that's that's the design of the show. Like they probably throw away the normal people. Like <laughs> they throw away the normal. People. Well, their their applications, right? Like they yeah. they would get uh, they would get a normal person apply, and and maybe they bring one normal person in, but the normal person always gets voted out first because he's normal. Everyone else is mm-hmm. like batshit crazy. crazy. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is nothing like that. It's an excellent <laughs> video game in a long-standing franchise for Nintendo platforms, and. Uh, this one's really interesting. I think we talked a little bit about the setup and that it's a, it's kind of, you're a professor at a, an esteemed school that welcomes nobles and commoners from across the land of Fodlin. And I know all the names because like I said, I've been playing this for 20 hours. It's fully voice acted. So you know how to pronounce everything, even though there are weird symbols and apostrophes and bunch of words letters smashed together that you normally wouldn't find in the same words so that's always fun (laughs) fantasy games i'm telling you uh and you 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 choose your your house at the very beginning you're given an opportunity to kind of talk to everybody and it's a little weird like you come in as this first year professor and suddenly like the head i guess what would be considered the headmaster so there's no like headmaster the school is sort of run by this church that kind of basically runs the country it's basically like rome and then you're at the vatican but the vatican is like harry potter does that make sense probably not <laughs> not really um <laughs> harry potter you mean like hogwarts yeah that's a school no no yeah 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 well it is okay. a school okay okay garrick mock is a school okay and, but it's run by the church and the entire oh, okay now i'm now i'm seeing why the vatican is all of a sudden yeah. a school but Got rome <laughs> makes sense because okay the church is just in, in is there this is and again for those folks who have never played a fire emblem game are probably thinking like wow they really ran with the story on this one no they're all this weird and confusing and they make <laughs> up new continents and new countries for pretty much everyone and new characters there are Wasn't some the- because I was going to say, the only Fire Emblem I've played is the mm. mobile one. And wasn't yeah. that like dealing with like different dimensions or something? Yeah. Am that I one... making that up? No, that's right. <laughs> so that one's dealing. So Fire Emblem Heroes, the mobile game, is dealing with two. And I've been playing for three years now. So I'm trying to think here. I'm pretty sure it's two warring factions that have the ability to open and close gates. So you play with the good guys who can open gates to other dimensions that are therefore summoning heroes from many different Fire Emblem dimensions. And then the other guys are the bad guys. They can close gates. And they, I don't know if they're from a different country or they're from different dimensions as well. I don't feel quite as bad not knowing all the ins and outs of the Fire Emblem hero story. If you, who's been playing 
since the game launched and also has a podcast about it are yes. not 100% sure about the story Dude, of Fire Emblem it's, Heroes. It's really, it was really confusing for me. So I'm glad confusing. that it's still confusing for you too. And you're just like, I don't care. I just let me play the game. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Like, but I, I like the thing is you don't need to really understand all the gobbledygook they're throwing at you because it's, it's not, it's not, it's, I hesitate to say it's not important to the story because it is, but it's not required understanding. Like you can kind of look past it and be like, yeah, 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 country, empire, whatever. So within this country of Fodland, there are three sort of uh, large uh, uh, countries or, or land masses. You've got the kingdom, uh, well, there are the three of them. I can't remember the other ones. <laughs> I just bragged about knowing all the names. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, no, the kingdom, the empire, and then there's, like, a third one. And then there's a couple of other little countries sort of scattered around that, that get introduced here and there. But, like, literally, if you talk to a character, he'll say, like, hey, I could tell you all the things about the ruling uh, the ruling parties of the empire. Do you want to hear it? And you're And you're like, sure why not because i want to i want to kind of learn more and he goes on for like five minutes about the the lineage and the prime minister's daughter and the you know the the whole thing and it's just like that kind of stuff is there for people who want to know like the tom bombadil level stuff in fire (laughs) emblem right but for me it's like no just give me my axe guys let's tear some bandits up and save hogwarts so that's kind of where I come in. Like, I appreciate the story. I appreciate the level of detail they've put into it. And especially since they kind of craft, like I said, a new world and a new sort of palette of characters every single time. And you, as a professor, are now interacting with these characters in a very different way than you have in any other Fire Emblem game. Because in other Fire Emblem games, you usually play the tactician role. So in most games, you were just a, a faceless character that just kind of moved pieces across the board and then eventually they gave you a sort of a moving piece on the board you were actually a character and you were referred to as the avatar and you were able to kind of be on screen and interact and and battle as well but in this one they've they've and in those you were sort of you were on equal playing uh on the equal playing field with everybody else you were they were your peers so in this one you're a professor and you're kind of you feel like You've been given that tactician level that makes sense and you're ordering everybody around because you're their professor, right? So you're taking these students into battle and and you're kind of teaching them as you go along. And there's literally like teaching mini games where you can kind of shape uh, everybody's classes and skills. So that's really cool. So it's, it's a really deep game in the sense that in previous games, you'd be given... This is Claire. She's a Lance Pegasus user. And this is uh, Will. He's an archer. But in this one, you're given a bunch of, you know, nobles and commoners in your house. And you can kind of say, like, okay, this guy would excel as a Lance user. He's got a he's got a hidden skill here. If we focus on the Lance, we can teach the shit out of it. And he will just learn how to use that Lance really well. And he will he will excel as a lance user, but he really wants to be uh, a magician or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Of so, course, I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> so he he wants to be a magician. That's the easy path because you can. He's already good at it, and the more you use it and the more you teach it, the higher skills you you uh, can achieve in that specific class. And then there are like before there were like upgrade paths for your class, but in this one you actually take an exam. So again, it takes that school <laughs> thing to the next level where as you're progressing your character and teaching them new moves and new abilities, they have to take an exam to upgrade their class. Uh, and so it's really cool. How, how many of these are you managing at a time? Students? Yeah. Yeah. So you start with nine, I believe. So at the very beginning. Yeah. And I mean. It seems like a lot. It seems it really complicated. Well, that's the thing is I felt that when I started, they give you right off the bat. First of all, right off the bat, they give you uh, three houses to choose from, each of which have nine individual characters to each of them. And apologies if I have the number wrong, folks, someone could correct me, but nine per house. So before you even make a choice, Fire Emblem and the characters you interact with, Fire Emblem's all about, 
you know, bonding with characters as you move through the story. And then the more you bond with a character, the more story you get between your character and that other character. So the more you battle together, the more you converse, you're able to unlock new story and dialogue, which is kind of a core tenet of Fire Emblem. So in this one, by essentially choosing a specific house, you're first choosing and, and you're first choosing which characters you want to interact with on a daily basis uh, throughout your playthrough. So that that even makes the choice even harder, unless unless you literally hate everybody in the other houses and you're like, no, this <laughs> is the this is the house to me. But they're all very, it's all very balanced across the board when you go to choose these characters, and it can be very tough to make your your first choice for your first playthrough, especially for me, as someone who knows it's going to take eighty hours to get through this. Like the chances of me playing this twice anytime soon, not very high. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Unless this turns into the Three Houses podcast, which it won't, but that that's a lot of gameplay in, in one game. So right there it's very daunting and then you're right, you get nine characters and suddenly you're having to kind of pick paths for them. But well, like it sounds like pick paths, manage like expectations like mm-hmm. and also do exams for and I mean, I don't know how much of a nitty-gritty control their school experience you have to do but i'm literally sitting here thinking if i had a house of nine sims Mm -hmm. in my sims game that i had to try to juggle and manage (laughs) that would just be a nightmare (laughs) you don't have to worry about their bowel movements in this one so it's all good (laughs) um but you do you do deal with a lot of different things so the basic flow and and we probably won't even you know talk about battles today but they've done a lot of work there too but the meta game they've really expanded. So the basic flow is like it's a it's a it's a calendar month, you know. So everything moves in real time. You you get the month, and then during that month there are these specific events. Uh, every Sunday you get a choice between free play, battle. So free play is you roam the school and talk to your characters and do different activities. Battles you can go out and you can either run free battles or do quests. And then there's also seminar where you can like pick a teacher and they'll teach you in specific skills and then rest allows you to basically increase your motivation for all your students at once Uh, motivation comes in handy on the mondays because monday is when you start your instructions and that sets up the week so you have professor points activity points that you can then use to train your students so when you're you're doing your instructing you have right now i think i have five so i can instruct five students specifically and kind of boost some of those skills uh sort of manually and the the process is just you look at a you look at a grid you look at the character list and then beside that character list there'll be a bunch of icons either green orange or gray um green means they've got full motivation gray zero so green motivation is good that's going to allow you to do more teaching you go in there you just hold a button down and it basically runs through the teaching process takes seconds and then you rinse, repeat for the rest of your points. And that doesn't mean you're not teaching your other students because at the end of the week, you get a progress report that basically says you see all the bars go up all at once. So it's just it's a bunch of bars, numbers going up. Like at the end of the week, you just feel real good. Like you did a great job as a professor. So it's not a whole a whole lot. And the certification stuff, like that's just a click of a menu button and, and an animation plays. You can just skip it. It's not it's not a big to do, but honestly, when you start the game, it is a bit daunting because not only are you doing this instructing, but the school is this large area as you're running around trying to interact and talk to all these characters. But as you remember in Mass Effect, maybe two, or maybe it was three. One of them <laughs> Mass had Effect like something. Yeah, well, one of the, actually any of the Mass Effects, they all had those like those after a mission, you'd just go and talk to everybody. And yeah, okay, run, running around the Normandy and stuff. Yeah, so you always felt like that ship was huge, your, your first run through. Yeah. But then eventually you, you knew it by the back of your hand because you've been doing it for days, if not weeks, right? So I felt the same way about Three Houses. I thought, man, running around this school is going to be really confusing. But now I kind of know every nook and cranny as I've been doing it, well, for so about it's- 20 hours. It's much more like Mass Effect where dudes are just kind of standing around doing their own thing, but they're kind of in a holding pattern. Yeah, so you... More so like than a Sims game where no. they're constantly all over the place. No, they do move every uh, every month. The characters are in a different location. They may be dealing with different issues. So one character, 
that is really interesting. I'm, I'm so I'm playing as the Black Eagles, and one of those characters that's really interesting is Bernadetta. She uh, refuses to come out of her room because she has crippling anxiety. <laughs> so it's not funny. But um, hashtag relatable. I know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. And the way she plays her character is that every time you try to talk to her, she's uh, well, she's has crippling anxiety and doesn't want to come out of her room. So the first time you talk to her, she's in her room. She refuses to talk to you, and you have to walk away. But then as the game progresses, like, she starts to open up. She's still, like, that wiry, like, oh, no, you know, kind of character. But they write her really well, and they and the act, the voice actor who, who plays her does a great job as well. And even the support, the support conversations, as you continue to use her in battle with other characters, those characters then also try to help her sort of come out of her shell. So those are the type of... They take that character type and they kind of mix and match with different characters, give you different dialogue. And that's kind of the driving force for engaging with everybody and, and you know, performing activities with them, whether it's fishing or uh, cooking, that sort of thing. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. And honestly, it, it, when you describe it, it sounds like a to-do list, similar, similar to playing The Sims, right? But mm-hmm. really what it is, it's, it's just you're progressing the story, you're getting new dialogue, and you're you're getting to spend more time with these these well-crafted characters. And then at the end of the month, you get to take them out into battle and just tear people apart. It's really uh it's really interesting. It's a weird school, honestly, when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> like you're teaching them how to use axes and swords. It's run by the church, and then every month, you know, the head church guy, let's call her the pope. She says, hey, go kill all these bandits. It's like, all right. We won't question Sounds it. good to me, head teacher pope lady. <laughs> yeah. So the pope sends you out to do that. And, and there's a lot of, there's, there's some interesting story there. And, you know, they deal with some, you know, there's characters that don't really agree with the church. Like the church is essentially like she, they run the country. And there's a lot of, you know, political, you know, stories and intrigue there. Fire Emblem has always been a very deep rich fantasy political i wouldn't quite call it game of thrones it's a very cartoonized game of thrones-esque type thing the best way probably to describe it but it's also very high level like japanese fantasy as well so there's a lot of like eccentric characters and you know one guy is literally like lurch like lurch's son very creepy i don't (laughs) think he realizes that he's creepy but he's he's super his name's hubert um shout out to my hubert fans he's terrible uh oh he's no hubert. hubert's the worst he's just he's like lady edelgard like he's just really creepy i'm trying to remember who he like it definitely reminds me like a like maybe a more up you know a more energized lurch if he was really into uh what's the lady morticia i guess like just <laughs> protect her constantly like, i don't know so anyways, yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses is fantastic. And honestly, it plays well on handheld mode as well as on, on TV. But uh, it does suffer from text size issues on the handheld mode uh, as well as on TV mode. There doesn't seem mm. to be that perfect sort of uh, match. And I hope th- I hope they patch it. It's not the end of the world, but it's definitely noticeable. I'd probably be the one sort of negative I'd, I'd uh, lay at its feet. But... The combat's great. Uh, the characters are awesome. I, I was worried the school stuff would would get in the way of of my battles, but honestly, it's been a it's been a good, refreshing take on a uh, long standing franchise. So yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm glad that it's uh, compelling. I've seen a lot of people giving this game really high ratings, and everyone seems to be enjoying it. So I'm glad that you are too, because mm-hmm. I know like you've been super into Fire Emblem because of the mobile game. So I'm glad that. The uh, first outing on the Switch is actually something you're really, really enjoying. So I look forward to, to hearing a little bit more about it, I'm sure, as you get further into the game. But mm-hmm. uh, we are getting further into the podcast. Oh. So uh, just to remind everybody, if you do like the show that we put together, do go over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to help support us this week. For our topic of the week, we are talking about Ninja. And so this is something we were going to talk about last week, but then uh, we ended up just running out of time. We just had too many things to talk about last week, so we didn't actually end up talking about any new stuff. So Ninja left Twitch to Mm -hmm. stream exclusively over on Mixer, which so that's basically like the news from last week. 
since then, he has had his first stream over on Mixer that seemed to go uh, extremely, extremely well, although it remains to be seen if those are kind of looky-loos to see what it's like over there as opposed to people who are actually going to stick with the platform and stick with Ninja, you know, mm-hmm. or if they're just kind of there for the hype. But uh, what kind of keeps this story relevant is that Twitch has now repurposed Ninja's channel. So if you go to twitch.tv slash Ninja, you no longer see Ninja's uh, like streaming channel splash page you see instead essentially a uh, error message that says uh the streamer you're looking for is in another castle check out these streamers and then it basically is just pulling all of the popular streamers from the Fortnite category and showing those to you instead now ninja no longer has his um like a lot of people call it the verified uh, symbol. It's the purple check mark. But mm. on Twitch, that's not actually a verification. So it doesn't work like Twitter. It's not like saying, like, yes, this is who they say they are. It's a partner badge. So that means that you are partnered with Twitch. So first and foremost, Ninja lost that because he broke his partnership agreement. Um, or I guess um, terminated his partnership agreement because partnership agreements can be ended by either party. Um, but he so he ended his partnership agreement with Twitch, which means he's no longer a partner, which means he loses his partner badge. That's all that. Is. That's not like Twitch being like, "Gur, are vindictive." It's like, well, no, he's not a partner anymore. Yeah, they just use the. On. It's a check mark, right? It's I know it's, it's a universal a mark, yeah. like, yeah. hey, this this guy's cool. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Twitter. I I didn't realize Twitter kind of took over the check mark for uh, accounts like verified accounts. Like they kind of own. The, the, it's like kleenex they they have like the yeah. kleenex of check marks on 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 the website exactly I guess. I don't exactly know. <laughs> they're not the only ones that do it but they're the most recognizable and it's called the verified badge so that's what everyone thinks it is across the whole mm-hmm. entire internet yeah because i think instagram has one as well mm-hmm. i i don't yeah. know if facebook does facebook has they must have something I, i've noticed so you know uh, i've noticed that pages have started doing something similar but for like fans of communities so if you're like a top mm. poster you get like a little diamond or something i've noticed that but i don't oh know. yeah i definitely noticed that but i don't know yeah. if the pages themselves if you can say like yes i am the actual this thing there but must be anyways let's anyways. look up shack on facebook i just pulled that one out of my <laughs> uh but anyways <laughs> so uh, ninja's Ninja did lose his uh, his partner badge and everyone, you know, thought that was a really big deal. But yeah, since then, they have actually started to use twitch.tv slash ninja, which it is their platform. It is their right to use whatever URLs that they want to use. Uh, they have started using twitch.tv slash ninja to promote other Fortnite streamers. Now, you, they didn't actually terminate Ninja's channel completely, which is also a thing that they could have done mm-hmm. because he did back out of his partnership agreement. So... Um, he is now streaming exclusively on Min- uh, on Ninja, on Mixer, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, Twitch could have just completely uh, because they the, in their agreement or sorry in their terms of service it does say that they have the right to essentially terminate, remove all the rest of it, uh, any channel for, and there's a whole bunch of reasons, but one of them is business purposes. So they basically reserve the right to do whatever the hell they want because it is their, it's their platform mm-hmm. and it's their right. And every single one of us has agreed to these terms of service if we are streaming over on Twitch or even if you are using Twitch for watching. All of this stuff, um, it's in their terms of service. So they did leave up all of his videos. So you can still go and watch all the old ninja streams, which again, they didn't have to do. They could have um, they could have just taken twitch.tv slash ninja and made it like auto redirect to the Fortnite category, but they didn't. Um, twitch.tv slash ninja, you can still go and see all of his content. So I know a lot of people seem to be upset about the fact that they're like repurposing his uh, channel like homepage for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But again, like it's their platform. They can with it what they want it could have been worse because they could have deleted him entirely so i mean um yeah some people think that you should have the right to own your channel but i mean none of us 
do. And I'm surprised that there was ever the expectation of that from some people. Ryan, uh, what do you think about all this? Well, um, I looked up Shaquille O'Neal on Facebook and it's a blue <laughs> check mark. Ah, there you so. go. Okay. So, which makes sense because Facebook is, that's their color, blue, yeah. right? So. so, it's like a blue badge with a, like a white check mark. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I, I look at this and I think it's, maybe maybe twitch's first high profile example of what happens when you when you sort of move on from a platform and and the fact that you know ninja is i i I don't know if ninja is i know ninja is his brand but i don't know if ninja is his trademark it's kind of hard to probably trademark you know the word ninja as a as a (laughs) as an entertainer maybe i don't know maybe maybe you could but i think it's important that you know, Twitch looked at this opportunity, looked at this thing that had happened and decided, well, we'll keep his content up. That was very, I'd say, I'd even go as far to say nice of them. Like you said, they didn't have to do that. If they wanted to be like, well, if you're leaving, then we're burning the house down, but they didn't. (laughs) It's nice Mm -hmm. that they didn't do that. Uh, Because there are a lot of people who enjoy Ninja Streams and to be able to go back and watch those memories, like we'll always have ninja on twitch like i don't imagine ninja on mixer is much different uh, guys but uh you know i don't know he's still playing <laughs> well fortnite. no and that's the thing i mean so there's yeah he's still playing fortnite he went over to a new streaming service and mm-hmm. actually the concern that i've seen from a lot of mixer streamers i mean mixer was a platform that was very much known for a fairly well moderated and fairly i guess uh, maybe positive community is not the right word but it's a very kind of like curated community there's a lot of rules on mixer but they're very straightforward and they're universally applied (laughs) so i've seen a lot of concern from mixer streamers because a lot of people made the jump from twitch to mixer you know when mixer first launched for that exact reason because one of the biggest criticisms of twitch from both a like just a viewer perspective, from a partner perspective, like all of it, is that the rules on Twitch don't seem to apply to everybody. And you can be, you know, in some cases banned for two weeks for something that a partner will do and get like a 12 hour ban or something, you know, like so it it's it doesn't necessarily seem like the rules on Twitch are applied universally. Like sometimes um, depending on the size of your channel, people will get, you know, slaps on the wrist versus like permanent bans from the actual platform. Whereas on Mixer, it's like, here are our rules, including like some things that some people don't like, particularly like female streamers. There's a lot of, very very explicit rules like basically like a dress code Mm -hmm. and that's rubbing a lot of women the wrong way because it seems like you know they're blaming women for men being idiots essentially but it's like at least the rules on mixer whether you actually agree with the dress code or not it is explicit it's like if the rating of your channel is this, we expect you to be wearing this and not showing any more than this with like measurements and like areas that need to be covered up and areas that can be shown. Like it's very, very explicit. So even if you don't agree with it, you know what the rule is. On Twitch, you don't know what the rules are for the most part. And even if you do know the rules, then, you know, it seems like some people can break them and some people can't. But it's not that way on Mixer. If you break the rules, they're very, very explicit rules, Mm. then you get a set punishment and everybody gets that punishment. It doesn't matter who you are. So there's a lot of streamers that really like that about the Mixer community and it's allowed them to keep a kind of a handle on a lot of what goes on in Twitch chat. Like the reason a lot of people don't read Twitch chat when you go over a thousand viewers is because it starts to be a cesspool of awful. Well, yeah. Mixer doesn't really Mixer doesn't really have that problem because it's so moderate. It's very heavily moderated. Okay. So a lot of people were really worried that if, you know, Mixer pays X number of millions of dollars to get Ninja to move over to them from Twitch, if he's gonna like basically what they're paying for is his audience, right? But his audience is notoriously bad. He's not as bad as some of the others. But, I mean, he streams to 70,000 people sometimes. So 70,000 people is a lot of voices in a chat room. Yeah. And a chat room that's moving very quickly. 
which tends to mean people think that they can just say whatever they want and people might not even see it. Yeah, well, I, I have not, I've not watched a ninja stream probably at all. If not, maybe one early on when he, he hit it big and it's like, okay, what's well, this ninja guy? Um, but he always seemed from afar like kind of the more tamer of the Twitch, the popular Twitch streamers. You know, like we look at the story from E3 where the guy got banned for going into the toilets with a camera. He literally broke yeah. several laws. Yeah. And Twitch brought him back. I, I think the argument that that people keep making against Twitch is that like, well, people who make you money are untouchable. People who don't, but still use the platform and do make a bit of money and, and do bring in some cash for Twitch are held to a higher standard, which is weird. It should almost be like the people who are the opposite. In the viewers yeah. The people who have the most viewers should be held to the highest standard. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get that too. So but it's weird. But yeah, that so it's sorry. Well, I was just going to say like, it's, it's, it's interesting that mixer brought over ninja that they went for someone who, as far as I know, has kept a pretty clean record. I know he's been in the news well, a couple times, but yeah. And so uh, I don't think, and th and this is part of the problem with Twitch is that I do know there was one uh, stream. I think he was like singing along with a song and he said yeah. the N word, but then the N word wasn't even in the song. I don't even think that he got a ban for that. Um, but yeah, like that's, I, but then other people have like done similar things and they've been banned forever from the platform. And, mm. you know, so it just, it's the kind of thing where the rules aren't universally applied. So that is the concern of a lot of people is that, so now Microsoft has paid all of this money to get Ninja and all of his viewers over onto their platform. And so a lot of people who've been there for, you know, months, if not years over on Mixer are saying, well, we don't really want Ninja's viewers on our platform like our platform is a really nice place and is mixer going to apply the rules to ninja is mixer going to apply the rules to mixers viewers and say like oh no you actually are toxic and you can't talk like that and you can't be racist sexist insert terrible chat thing here and you're banned from mixer because then it seems like counterproductive from a business standpoint <laughs> but you know like yeah. they i would think that they would still want to maintain the image of their platform. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird kind of a situation. And if they want to go for a large streamer, like I get it. Like no streamer who's streaming to a chat room that big is going to be immune from like uh, less desirable viewers, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I do think like if you, for instance, if you look at like Tice, uh, who's a Hearthstone streamer, he has a like nowhere near the viewers of like a ninja, but he has like he gets about 30,000 between like 15 and 30, depending on the day and the content and Hearthstone's like popularity at the time where it is an expansion cycle, blah, 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 blah. So his chat room actually isn't that bad. Like his chat room, I feel like, and his viewers would be, and really, I mean, Hearthstone viewers in general, I think, are are not quite as bad as yeah, as some tamer. others. I think it's it's a little bit tamer. Unless yeah. you miss Lethal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. But that. you uh, you can uh, yeah. So I could see like maybe going for streamers like Tice and trying to get them to come over to Mixer would make a lot more sense to me because I think his viewers and his community already match what Mixer is trying to do over on their side. So. I mean, Ninja obviously is a really big get for them because he's going to bring so many eyes and because he's such a big name. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I I share the concerns of the Mixer streamers wondering what this is actually going to do for the platform. And if it's just going to become another Twitch, like it's suddenly a lot less appealing to be a viewer over there. I, I think personally. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be another, another Twitch. I, I mean... I kind of see this as maybe, so maybe the, we don't know the business dealings here, but when you pay probably millions and millions of dollars to bring, uh, you know, talent over to. Well, yeah, I think, um, so I don't know if it's actually been released, but I've seen three to six million being thrown around as the most likely like signing bonus. But the sure. big deal, I think, is that they basically said uh, anyone who subs to Ninja in the first month is free which right. is a huge potential chunk of money. I think at some point he had almost 300K. I think it was like 280K subs over on Twitch. Right. Now his his sub numbers have dropped significantly since that high, which I think happened back in 2018. But 
still like it's, it's still a big chunk of money that Microsoft is forking out or that Microsoft is, I guess, not not getting. Not earning. Yet. <laughs> yeah. And, right. and then, you know, having to pay out to Mixer. And I don't know exactly like I think Mixer subs are six dollars and Twitch subs are five dollars. And I don't know what the split is like, if it's 50 50 or what over on Mixer. I'm not sure. But um, you're still looking at, I think, quite a lot of subs and quite a lot of money that Mixer is going to have to pay to Ninja without actually bringing any in by with this free sub deal. So right. it's not an ongoing thing like Twitch Prime is, which actually also is where Ninja got a lot of subs from. And so obviously Amazon owning Twitch and Twitch Prime being a thing means that that's not a thing on Mixer. <laughs> There's mm. no equivalent uh, to Amazon Prime for, for Microsoft products. So it's it is kind of interesting to see what his income is going to look like but then that also means that he would have had to be paid up front enough money that that no longer really became of a concern to him so well, yeah think- not to mention the fact that he's already rich af so he doesn't really need <laughs> a whole ton of money dude he's could probably good. just retire now and he'd be fine at you know like how old is he like 22 or something i don't think he's actually that old i think uh, he's a little bit older but he's definitely in his 20s <laughs> like- he's in his 20s yeah probably <laughs> i'm curious if you know like the idea of uh yeah like talent on the streaming websites like Twitch and Mixer and YouTube. Uh, I wonder if there's that maybe there's stuff going and behind the scenes in terms of like contractual details. If you like stream from a bathroom or say a naughty word, uh, well, I should say, I say a very bad word. Um, there are repercussions that we as the public don't see like a suspension is essentially what would be like a fine, uh in in professional sports like if you were doing a radio interview working for a team and you said a bad word or said something you shouldn't have then they would fine you right so essentially like maybe ninja i'm not saying that because he gets a signing bonus he's held to a higher standard in the sense that he doesn't have his account deleted if he does something against the terms but maybe he gets he just gets a penalty of some kind like financially because that's why he's there like yeah, I mean, when well, he started um, at Twitch, he did it for fun. But now he's yeah. he was he's streaming because it's his living, right? Yeah. The idea of it not being for fun, it's now his his work. It's his business, right? Yeah. Well, and so basically, when when you get a suspension, at least over on Twitch, and I don't know what it looks like on Mixer, but on Twitch, your uh, basically your channel gets essentially deleted for the length of your suspension. Mm-hmm. So they're just a splash page. You can't even view vods. And there's a splash page that just says this channel's been suspended. Hmm. Um, I don't even think that it has a duration on it that I remember from channels that I've seen that have gotten suspensions. Normally, the length of suspension is either figured out after the fact by the community or something that the streamer themselves will tweet out and say, like, oh, got a 24-hour ban for blah. Um, but that's what happens on Twitch is they they wipe you off the face of the platform for the duration of your suspension. They put you in the corner, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe... Maybe to make it fair, they 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 apply the same rule. Like I said, they apply the same rules to our to all. But I I think yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Mixer is affected. You know, and this is the most anyone has talked about Mixer in a long time. So it's already started to affect them in the sense that people are going to Mixer instead of Twitch to see to see this streamer. Now I remember I played around with Mixer back when Forza uh, Horizon four came out i think it was or yeah four last late last year and played around with it it's a it's a solid system like you're able to it's not like the days of of old where twitch was the only one that did it and everyone else was just a stack of cards and it barely worked right this is you you throw your url out there you point your stream to it it works people mm-hmm. are able to watch they're able to engage from a from a you know a simple user interface it's fine so i think these days it's just for the viewer it doesn't really make a difference right it's just it's mixed right. or twitch right so uh so yeah well it'll remain to be seen what actually happens but uh if you guys do have your own opinions about twitch versus mixer or ninja swapping over or what twitch has done to repurpose his channel to promote other streamers please do email us over at info at gamers you can also hit us up with your thoughts over on discord at bit.ly slash tgi discord 
And you can visit, visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. That's going to do it for us this week. And why? Oh, my God. I literally cannot remember. Thanks for staying at the Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. (laughs) Tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Why can I not get that right? Yeah. Oh my god! I'm gonna. Been, I'm adding. You took two a, weeks I, off. I'm telling yeah, you. I guess so. Man, oh man. Okay, so thanks for <laughs> staying at the gamers. Gamers in. Nailed it. <laughs>